That was awesome. Hey, man, you know every time they do that, that's not easy, right? It's not easy to get up here in front of everybody. Uh, and, man, when technical things happen, because all that worked this morning. I mean, there was no hiccups or nothing this morning. And so, uh, so man, that was awesome uh, for the drama team to step up today and to, uh, and to do that, man. And, and listen, uh, man, all those guys and girls up here on the stage in that drama team, man, they're the real deal, man. They're the real deal. I mean, they are pursuing the Lord, and, man, God is at work in their life using them. And so, man, I just love them. Give it up for them. I love it, man. I love it. Hey, my name's Mark, and uh, I'm the lead pastor here. If today's your very first time, we're so excited to have you here today. And if you are here for the very first time or you're here, you're a returning guest, you've been back a couple of times, I want to tell you that we are so excited and privileged to have you here today. And we would love, as soon as church is over, for you to go to the welcome table. All of our first-time guests, returning guests, right out there in the lobby. First table you'll see when those doors open. That's our welcome table. We've got a free gift for everybody that's here for the first time and everybody that's here that's a returning guest. All you need to do is take the connection card that you got when you walked in. Fill that out as much as you would uh, be willing to. And after church, right out there at that welcome table, you can get a free gift uh, today, we got something really cool that we put together for all of our first-time guests, returning guests, and uh, we want you to uh, receive that today. It just takes a couple of minutes for you to grab that right after church. Uh, a couple of things that I want to mention, and then I got some business I, gotta t- I want to uh, talk to our church about really quick before we receive our offering in just a moment. Hey, if you signed up for Marriage Forward, Marriage Forward's our big marriage retreat that we always do. It's at the end of September this year. If you've signed up for Marriage Forward, you need to pay uh, today, actually. You need to see Dana, uh, Nadine, uh, whoever's going to be at the welcome table. Several of them will, but if you signed up for that or if you want to, you still can. You need to pay today. Please visit the welcome table right after church today. And also, you can sign up for Life Groups. Our fall semester of life groups begins next week. We've got several groups that are going to meet. You can sign up for a life group in the Summit app on our website, or you can always, like everything else, hit the welcome table, and they'll take care of you there, okay? Hey, I want to mention um, something to you that we are going to start to do next week. Not a, not a big shift, but we're uh, praying that it could help us. And let me, let me uh, kind of tee it up this way. Our goal as a church is not to be a really big church. Our goal as a church is to be the best steward of people that we can possibly be and care for every single person that God brings to our church. That's the goal. Our goal is, our goal is to care for everybody. We don't care if it's one person or a hundred or a thousand. We don't care how many people come. Our goal is to care for every single person. In fact, our goal is uh, that no one falls through the cracks. And so we, uh, as, as a staff and as a team, we've been thinking through some things. And, and uh, so we have been talking this week. And if you're a partner, hopefully you received an email from me this week about what I'm about to share. Uh, like I said, not a big shift, but something that we're praying can really help us out as we seek to take the best care possible for people in our church. Beginning next week, beginning next week, when you walk in, uh, every single chair will have a connection card and a pen in it. We are asking our entire church, beginning next week, to fill out the connection card every single week. And here's why. Because that card is the way that we can know what God's doing in your life, how we can pray for you. It's the way we can know who's here and who's not. It's the way that we can connect with people and serve people. And I know a lot of you have been here for a long time, and when you see that card, you think, oh, well, you know what, that's not a big deal. It's actually a really big deal, and here's why. Because we really believe that, that we, 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 one of the things we say all the time as a church is we're here for the people who are not here yet. Our church, man, we, were, we launched with the goal of being a church where anybody could come, no matter who you are or what your background is, and that you would meet Jesus and begin a relationship with him. Now, the way that practically 
works out for our church is we really try to take care of uh, our first-time guests. We really try to connect with people who maybe have never been to church before. Every single week when we ask first-timers to fill out the card and everybody else just sits there, uh, we shouldn't ask anybody to do that the rest of us aren't willing to do, right? And so here's what we're asking you to do. Here's what we're going to do. Beginning next week, we are actually going to move the offering to the end of the sermon. So that means do not get up and leave. Um, I don't mean to, uh, some of you, you know who you are. I think he's about, I think the lights are about to go down. Let's leave. We can get to Circle T first today. All right. Um, so uh, I'm just singling you out. I know who you are. Okay. And um, so, so next week, we're going to move the offering to the end of the service. And we're going to give everybody a chance to fill out that card every single week beginning next week. Like I said, you'll have a pen and a card in your chair next week. And we're going to ask everybody when the offering baskets go around, you can just drop that card in there. If you are a regular attender, you don't need to fill the whole card out every week unless you make a decision, you've got a prayer request. All you need to do, put your name on that card, check you're a regular attender. Or if you're a partner, check that you're a partner. That's all you need to do. That's all you need to do, all right? But beginning next week, we're going to work this into our church. We're actually going to try to track it over the next three months and see if we can see a significant change in our church, uh, retention of first-time guests, helping people get connected, and just praying and caring for our entire church. That doesn't sound like a lot, but man, that's a really powerful tool. That card is a powerful tool for, to help us care for every single person, all right? And so, so we're going to begin uh, to do that next week. And if you don't fill out your card next week, I'm going to come to your house, and I'm going to eat all your food in your refrigerator, and I'm never going to leave until you fill out your connection card. All right? Let's go. There you go. All right? Hey, right now, we're going to receive our offering. So all of our ushers, uh, guys, girls who's going to help us with that, who are helping us with that today, you guys can go ahead and get in place. And we just want to thank every single person that gives, whether it's here, whether it's online. I know a lot of people over the past couple of weeks have stepped up to give with the 730-90 Beyond Challenge. You're taking that journey to generosity. If you've never given before, man, what if you took that step today and just trusted God and, and uh, surrendered the area of your finances, your resources to the Lord? And so we're going to pray. And uh, while we're receiving our offering today, i got a video to show you just to kind of set up the new series that we're starting today. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for everything that you've done for us, how you gave your life for us, because you gave, we give. Because you went first in your life and in your death and in your resurrection, we, as a response, we go first and we surrender all of our resources on all of our lives back to you right now. And so God, I pray that you'd bless every single person, whether they gave online the app or they're giving right here. I thank you that God, what you are gonna use is gonna go and make a difference all over this world. And God, right now as we're praying, and I'm thinking about the offering and, and everything that, this, that, 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 that the offering goes to every week. Father, I, I know that right now in Texas, with the hurricane that's happened and the, and the devastation, the images are horrible. And Father, I pray for every single person impacted by that hurricane. Pray for those families. Pray for those people. I pray, Jesus, that, that the church would rise up there and be salt and be light and that you would provide in a miraculous way. And God... I thank you that actually a portion of what we give today, a portion of what we give every single week actually goes to relief organizations. And so what people give today, it is going to go to Texas and it's gonna help those people in that hurricane. And God, every single week that happens, every single week you do more than we think you do. And we love you for it. So we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You guys give and check out this video.
All right, all right. Hey, if you got a Bible on your phone or you actually brought one with you, go ahead and open it up to Matthew, the book of Matthew. And we are going to be in Matthew chapter 18 today. So go ahead and open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 18. We are launching into a brand new series today called Like Kids. We're going to talk about childlike faith over the next couple of weeks. And so if you got a Bible on your phone or you actually brought a copy of it, Matthew chapter 18 is where we're going to be. I want to read this for us today. You can follow along on your phone if you uh, brought a Bible. If you don't have one, somebody close to you does. You guys just snuggle up there and you can take your relationship to another level today. And uh, we're going to read uh, the Bible here. Let's read this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And calling to him a child, He put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. How many of you guys can remember, uh, how many of you can remember back to when you were little and you can remember when you were little what you wanted to be when you grow up, when you grew up? Anybody remember that? When you were little and you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up, what did you want to be? Yell it out. What did you just want to be? Yell it out for me. Their teacher, things like that. Some people, astronauts. Some people, all kinds of uh, different things. Some of you, I want to be uh, good looking when I grow up and something like that. I don't know what you wanted to be when you grew up. Well, here's my question. What happened? What happened between then and what happened now? Well, I can tell you what happened for some of us. Some of us, when we were little, you wanted to be a a basketball player. You wanted to grow up. You were going to be the next Michael Jordan. You were going to be the next NBA star. And what happened was you stink at basketball. You are no good. Like, it doesn't matter how much you put your heart into it. You are no good. Or you were going to be an astronaut. That's what you told people. I want to be an astronaut. And as you grew up, you discovered that you hated heights. You hated flying. That was just never going to work out. For you, Have you ever noticed that when you're a little kid, when you're a little kid, everything was possible? Do you notice that? When you're a little kid, everything's possible. You can do anything. You can be anything. You can go anywhere. But then as you get older, what was possible becomes impossible. Am I right? And, and the more that we get older, the older we get, the more cynical that we get, the more jaded that we get. The older we get, we take less risks. The, the older we get, we give more excuses for why something can't happen, why things won't work. The older we get, we tend to, uh, we tend to, a lot of us, instead of becoming more optimistic, the older we get, we become more pessimistic. And not only do we do that with life, we can do that with God. Did you know that? We can do that with God. I mean, have you ever met somebody who, who is just excited about their relationship with Jesus? Maybe they just got saved. You ever met somebody who just got saved? Man, they are fired up about Jesus. They are excited about Jesus. I mean, they're so passionate and fired up. I mean, they are, they are ready to charge hell with a water pistol. You ever met those people, right? And, and maybe, that, maybe that was you. Maybe you can remember back to that time in your life, man, when you just met Jesus, and all you knew in those early days was that Jesus had changed your life, and you knew he could do it for anybody else. You were, you were stepping out on faith, and you just knew that God was a reality in your life. But then over time, something started to happen. That wonder that you had when you first met Jesus starts to get old. That amazement that you had, that, that overwhelming passion, maybe all of a sudden that just dies out because you look around at church and nobody else seems to have that. 
Or, or maybe you used to tell everybody that you possibly could about Jesus. You would tell the waiter, the waitress at the restaurant. You would tell the person working the cashier checkout line at Walmart and all the grocery stores. You'd tell your classmates, your coworkers, your parents, your, your husband, your wife, your everybody. You would tell everybody about who Jesus is and what he's done. And then somebody came along to you and they said, you know what, you shouldn't do that. You're really going to turn a lot of people off by talking about Jesus so much, and, and you're thinking, well, you know what, I haven't been at this very long, but they have, maybe they're right. And, and over time, what happens is, is we lose that childlike wonder that we had at the beginning. Well, what we are doing in this series is we are talking about faith, and not just faith in general, we are talking about having childlike faith. And see, when we talk about faith, what we're talking about is we're talking about believing God, trusting God, taking God at his word. And if you want to know how important faith is in our relationship with God, look at this verse here. I believe it'll be on the screen. Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says this, without faith, it is, what's the next word? You tell me. It is impossible to please God. It doesn't say without faith, it's kind of hard to please God, does it? It doesn't say without faith, it's a little difficult to please God. No, no, no. It says without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. That without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we're talking about having childlike faith in this series. Now, here's what you need to know. Childlike faith doesn't mean childish faith. Childlike faith is not childish faith. Childish faith means that you believe anyone that anything, anything rather that anybody says about Jesus. So you at church someday, you're at church one day and somebody begins to talk about God and, and maybe they begin to weep as they as they as they're talking about who God is, and you say to yourself, Well, you know what? They're crying, they sound sincere, they must be right. Or, or you believe everything you read on the internet about Jesus, and you believe everything that's in every book about God that you ever read, and you say to yourself, well, you know what? Well, this person on Facebook, surely they wouldn't share that if it wasn't true. Surely this person in this book that I'm reading, surely they're right. I mean, their church is massive, and what happens is we, we're believing everything that everybody says about God, but we're not testing what everybody says up against the Word of God. Hello? See, man, you need to check everything that everybody says up against this book. You need to check what I say up against this book. Don't believe, don't, oh, well, well, this happened to me. I had this experience. Well, so-and-so says this. Here's the question. Is it in here? See, we need to examine it. We need to, that's why we need to know the Bible. That's why we need to study the Bible. That's why we did the rhythm series, and we talked about getting into Scripture so that God can speak to us Childlike faith is not childish faith. Childlike faith, here's what childlike faith is. Childlike faith is knowing what God says and believing it no matter what. Childlike faith is knowing what God says and believing it no matter what. See, kids, it's in the nature of kids to trust, is it not? I mean, it's in the nature of kids to trust. Kids will believe everything their parents tell them, right? Kids will believe everything their, their grandparents, by and large, their teachers tell. It's in the nature of kids to trust. So I have three kids. I have three kids. I have, I have my, my daughter, Cassidy. She was up here on stage in the drama team. She's 12. My son, Seth, he's 11. My youngest daughter, Chloe, she's six. Chloe is six. Chloe, have, how many parents in here told your kids about the tooth fairy? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. 
Raise your hand. Okay? And I'm not going to browbeat you or make fun of you. I mean, I, we, we tell, uh, we, uh, Chloe's right in that sweet spot of, hey, if I pull a tooth, I get some cash. Right? That's, that's where she's at. But we do that game. We tell it. We talk about the tooth fairy. And I'll oh, make sure you put it under the pillow. And tooth fairy will come. And you know what? I mean, if you think about it, the tooth fairy is a horrifying idea. Is it not? Right? Kids, it's time to go to bed. Because tonight a woman is going to break into our house and steal your teeth. Good night. Right? That's awful. That's awful. But, but here's, what, here's what Chloe knows. Here's what Chloe knows. Dad says it, it's true. Dad says it, it must be right. Regardless of if he's lying about a mythical woman who's breaking in to steal my teeth, Dad says it, that must be the way that it is. Hey, what if our faith worked that way? What if our faith worked that way? That, that I read Jesus in here and Jesus says, don't worry. And instead of giving him every reason why I'm the exception to not worry, we say, okay. I, I read in here where Jesus says, I will provide for you. Look at the grass. Look at the birds of the air. You're more valuable than them. I will provide for you. And instead of giving him reasons why he can't meet my needs, I say back to Jesus, okay. What if our faith worked in such a way that we see Jesus and Jesus says, forgive your enemies. And we say, Jesus, that is hard, but okay. What if we read Jesus in John 14? We're going to talk about it next week. What if we see Jesus when he says, ask me for anything in my name and I will give it to you. Man, what if we believed that summit? What if we saw Jesus say that right in his word and we said, yes, to that promise. And listen, when G we're going to talk about it next week when Jesus says, ask me anything in my name and I will give it to you. That doesn't mean that you leave church today and over the next seven days you pray for a yacht and you ought to get one. Hello, right? That's not what that means. See, see, a lot of times we can take this simple childlike faith, this simple trust in Jesus that he wants us to have and we can complicate it and make it about us. That's exactly what happens with the disciples in Matthew 18, actually. Look at, look at your Bibles again in Matthew 18. Did you see what the disciples asked Jesus? Look at this. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and they said, look at this, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? I think the amazing thing about this passage is that Jesus does not rebuke them, slap them upside the head. See, because when they're asking that, they're asking this question, Jesus, who do you like the most out of us 12? Jesus, who's going to be the most influential? Who's going to get the biggest speaking engagements? Who's going to have the biggest platform? Who's going to have the most followers online? Jesus, which one of the 12 do you love the most? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And instead of Jesus looking at them and saying, you idiots, Jesus does this. Look at this verse, verse 2. And calling to him a child, he put the child in the midst of of them. So this is not a big crowd. This is Jesus and the 12 disciples, and Jesus invites a little child over. We don't know if it's a boy or girl. We don't know anything about him. Jesus has the child stand right in the middle, and Jesus says this. Listen, listen. Do you want to know how to be great? There is nothing wrong with, living a great, with wanting to live a great life. Did you know that? Amen? There is nothing wrong with wanting to live a life of influence. There's nothing wrong with having ambition, but ambition is easily tainted. So that instead of about God's kingdom, it's about my kingdom. And so Jesus says, listen, I'm going to tell you how to be great. He pulls the child over and says this, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, unless you become like this kid, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child will be the greatest in the kingdom 
of heaven. And so Jesus says, listen, if you want to be great, that's awesome that you want to be great. But listen, we think that greatness is in what you do, is, is in what you do. Jesus is showing us that greatness is in your faith. And Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, then you need to have childlike faith. And I think there's three characteristics of childlike faith that we need to have. And here's the first one. So if you're taking notes, you're writing these things down. Three characteristics I want us to see today about childlike faith, the kind of faith that just trusts Jesus no matter what. Here's the first characteristic of childlike faith. It's weak. Childlike faith is weak. Now, nobody amen that. Nobody got fired up. Do you know why? Here's why. Because in the world that you and I live in, we think, we, we think weakness is a handicap. Weakness is something you're never supposed to show anybody. You, you never let them see you what? Sweat. Never let them see you sweat. There's a lot of guys in here, and you heard this message your entire life. Your dad, your mom, maybe somebody told you that. Your grandparents told you this. Never show emotion. Never cry. Never look vulnerable. Never look weak. There's a lot of us, we spend a lot of time and energy making sure that we look like we have it all together in front of other people, don't we? I mean, that's why when you're about to post a selfie, everybody knows you don't post the first picture you take. Praise the Lord, hallelujah, right? right? When you're about to post a selfie, everybody knows you don't post until you get to the fifth, sixth, twenty-seventh picture, and then you post that selfie, right? Then you post, oh, look at this spontaneous moment that we've been practicing for five minutes, right? Why, why, do, why do we do that? Because we want to look impressive. Man, as a leader, as a leader, every leadership book I read and every conference that I go to and every leadership blog and everything that everybody says about leadership says that leaders always have to be inspiring. You always have to know what's next. You always have to have all the answers. You always have to be on top of everything. And more than anything, leaders never look weak. And you might, you don't, you don't even have to be a leader, but weakness is something that we try to avoid. We put a lot of time and energy into making sure that people think that we have it all together, and I want to tell our church that that is a great way to miss every single thing that God wants to do in and through your life. Man, God is not looking for people who have it all together, amen? He's not. God is not looking for somebody who has all the answers. If you have all the answers, you don't need God. If you've got it all together, then you don't need God. God is looking for weakness. This little child in the middle of the disciples, the disciples thought they were impressive. At this point, they'd help feed the 5,000. They'd exercise demons out of people. Their spiritual resume is getting impressive. And Jesus said, and they're saying to Jesus, Jesus, we're kind of a big deal. And Jesus actually says, you're not a big deal at all because I'm looking for weakness like this little kid. See, the reason I know that God is looking for weakness is because in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul, if you're new to the Bible, you don't know the Bible a lot, most of the New Testament was written by a guy named Paul. And Paul, Paul was, was the first missionary, really, the first church planner, and Paul plants all kinds of churches. Paul literally changed the world of his day. He wrote most of the New Testament. And at some point in Paul's life, Paul begins to lose his vision. Something happens to Paul's vision, most Bible scholars believe. And what that means is that Paul could not do everything that he used to do. Paul did not look impressive. 
And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul begs God at least three times that we know of to heal him. God, heal me. God, heal me. God, you have the power to heal me. Would you heal me? And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, God says back, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I love what Pastor Jim Sinclair says. He says this, God is attracted to weakness. See, kids are weak, are they not? You look up the word weakness in a dictionary, and the word weakness means the, the, the limited ability to perform physical tasks. When I say that kids are weak, I don't mean that kids can't bench press 500. That's not what I mean. Again, back to my daughter Chloe, she's weak. All right? That's not, that's not an insult. She's just six, so I have to help her a lot. She constantly asks for help. Dad, can you get me some chips? Dad, can you get me a juice? Dad, can you get me a straw? Dad, can you put the straw in the juice? Right? She's, she's weak. But here's what she knows. Here's what she knows. She knows I can't, but dad can. Listen, the language of weakness is I can't, but my heavenly father can. I can't fix my family, but God can. I can't, I can't get out of this financial mess, but God can. I can't get out of this corner, but God can. Listen, if you want to know what weakness sounds like, it's this simple. God, I need help. I don't have it all together, and I don't know what to do. And that is the best place to receive a breakthrough from God. Childlike faith is weak. Childlike faith, number two, it's messy. Childlike faith is messy. Parents, how many know, how many parents in the room know that kids are messy? Amen? Amen. Especially if your kids are real little. That's why you always bring a backup outfit. You know what I'm talking about? If your kids are real little, like real little, you bring a backup outfit. You might bring 20 backup outfits because you know that what they wore going into the restaurant, they ain't wearing it when they come out. If they're wearing clothes at all, depending on how it goes, right? It's messy. Listen, childlike faith doesn't have to be perfect. I heard somebody say this, and I have no idea who said it, but I love this quote. Real faith, our faith doesn't have to be perfect to be genuine. Our faith doesn't have to be perfect to be genuine. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is in Mark 9. In Mark 9, a dad comes to Jesus. A dad comes to Jesus because his son is possessed by a demon. And all the parents said, I can relate, right? But a dad comes to Jesus, his son is possessed by a demon, and he says, Jesus, Jesus, my son is possessed by a demon. If you can help, please help. And Jesus looks back at this dad, and he says, if I can help, all things are possible for him who believes. And one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is what that dad says back to Jesus. That dad looks at Jesus, and he says this, Jesus, I believe, but help my unbelief. In other words, Jesus, I know you can do it. That's why I came. That's why I left the house. That's why I've been looking for you. I know you can heal my son, but there's a part of me that doesn't believe it yet. Will you help that part? Will you speak into that part? Will you drive out the darkness from that part? Because there is a part of me that's struggling. And do you know what Jesus does? Jesus helps that man's unbelief by healing his son. Right? Childlike faith is messy. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to know how it all works out. All we need to know is that God can make a way, that God can provide, that God can change things. So you have freedom, follower of Jesus, to go to God and say, God, will you do this? But there's a part of me that's not sure you can. 
God, will you help me? But there's a part of me that doesn't, that's not sure that you can. Will you help that part? Will you speak into that part? God, will you provide? But you know there's a part of me that's having a hard time thinking you're going to provide. Will you help my unbelief? Your faith doesn't have to be perfect to be genuine. Childlike faith is weak. Childlike faith is messy. I think this is the most important one. We'll end here. Childlike faith believes. It believes. Childlike faith believes God. Summit, childlike faith doesn't mean that you have to have all the answers before you're obedient to what God says. Amen? Childlike faith doesn't, childlike faith doesn't mean that we rationalize everything that God says. We try to explain away everything that God says. We give a million reasons why we can't do that right now. Here's what childlike faith is. Childlike faith says this. God raised the dead. God can do this. God split the Red Sea, God can split my situation. God made a way here, if he did it there, he can do it again. Childlike faith steps out and believes God, even though the circumstances seem to show that it's over. Childlike faith believes promises from the word of God like this one, Luke 1, 37. Nothing will be impossible with God. Well, what about this? Well, what about that? Well, what about this? No, no, no. Nothing is impossible with God, Summit. Nothing. Amen? Are y'all bored? You want to do this next week? Nothing will be impossible with God. Amen? Amen? Don't make me come out there. Oh, gosh. Matthew 17, 20, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, I love Jeremiah 32, 17, you made the heavens by the earth and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too difficult for you. Nothing is too difficult for God. Say, well, Mark, I don't know if I've ever seen God do great things. I don't know if I've ever seen God move a mountain. I don't know if I've ever seen God move in a miraculous way like you're talking about in my life. You might be a follower of Jesus, and you're sitting there in your chair thinking, Mark, I don't know if I've ever seen God do anything like what you're talking about. And if you are thinking that, I want you to think back right now to the very first thing you ever asked God to do to you. I want you to think back right now to the very first thing you ever asked God to do that started your relationship with him. What did you ask him to do? What did you ask him to do? You asked God to forgive you for your sin. You asked God to wipe away your past. You asked God to give you eternal life so that you will never die. If he did that, why can't God save your kids? Amen? If God did that, why can't God save your husband? If God did that, why can't God save your wife? If God made you a brand new creation, why can't God bring that loved one out of addiction? If God changed you, why can't God change your school? If God did that for you, why can't God change this community? If God did that, why can't God change the entire direction of an entire nation if his people would believe? Right? Say, say, well, God's never done that for me. Have you ever asked him to? We're going to talk about it in this series, James chapter 4. You don't have because you don't ask. Say, well, I prayed that way. How many times? Once? A couple times? Listen, listen, listen. 
Some of us are in here, some of you are in here right now, you've been praying for the same thing for over a decade, and you think that God's not hearing your prayer, but really God is building up in you childlike faith. And God might want to answer that prayer, but what he's looking for is for you to persevere in the praying. Right? Summit, I'll be honest with you, and this is the reason, listen, I've been waiting to do this series honestly for three years. And this is the reason we're doing it. Because I believe, I honestly believe, that there is so much more than that God has for our church than what we are experiencing right now. I believe it. Do you believe it? It doesn't matter if you believe it, because I believe it. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I believe that there is more power from the Holy Spirit available for this church than what we are experiencing right now. I believe that there is more that I believe that there are more people that God wants to save in this community. I believe that the best days of this church are not behind us. It's not something that happened years ago. I believe that the best days of our church are ahead of us because God has more. And listen, man, I do not want to get to heaven. I do not want to get to heaven and see all the things that God would have done if I'd only believed. If I would have only stepped out If I would have only taken a risk, listen, whatever God has for me, my family, and this church, I want it. I want it. Right? Say, Mark, Mark, how do we get that? Mark, how do we get that? Well, here's what some of you are thinking. Here's what some of you are thinking. Here's what some of you are thinking. I want to get there, but man, I'm not there, Mark. I've never believed God the way you're talking. What do I got to do to get there? Jesus actually told us. He said it exactly that. He told us exactly what to do. Verse 3. And he said to them, truly I said to you actually, uh, yeah, verse 3. Unless you turn and become like children. Unless you turn. Some of your Bibles, it says this. Unless you change and become like kids. Change. Turn. Repent. Repent from what? I mean, some of us just need to repent of not trusting God. Not trusting God. Some of us, the biggest prayer we are praying for our families right now is that our family would be safe. What if God wants to do something in your family that's going to require them to forsake a love of safety and do something hard? Anybody, hello? Can God do that? Can God call your kids to do something hard, mom and dad? You got to, you got to, you got to think about what it means to pray that your kids love Jesus, y'all. I'm telling you, that's why I love our student ministry. There are some people here, they are charging hell right now, and the devil is freaking out, right? They are. They are. There are church planners in this front row. There are world changers in these front two rows. Listen, this community is going to be different because the people sitting in these front two rows, you better think about what you're praying for your kids when you pray that they would love Jesus. Man, I will never forget hearing the story of a mom who prayed that her kids would get saved. Whole family was strung out into drugs, addicted, and they're even including her kids. And her family, her son, meets Jesus. Jesus radically changes that young man's life. And he, he, just, he just gets fired up, passionate about Jesus. And that mom can't understand it. And that mom says, that mom says, you know what? Listen, I understood that I understood the high from drugs but I don't understand this Jesus thing, and I wish they would go back to the drugs. It was so, it was so radical. It was so out there. Man, we've got to think, what, what if God calls us to do something hard? What if God calls us to do something, to take a risk, so it's going to require a change? Maybe we need to lay down our pride. Maybe we need to lay down our comfort. Listen, 
For us to experience everything that God wants us to experience, I'm telling you, man, Summit, we gotta, get, we gotta be willing to get uncomfortable. Are you willing to get uncomfortable? You gotta be. You gotta be. You gotta be. You gotta be willing to take a risk. You gotta be willing to lay it down. You gotta be willing to make a move. I'm gonna ask you a question, and we're not gonna do anything with it because it's your homework. We're gonna do something with it next week. Right now, what are you believing God for? Right now, what are you believing God for for your kids, for your family, for this church, community, and world? What are you believing God for right now? You think about that. You pray about that next week. Next week, we're going to do something with that. But what are you believing God for? I am telling you, childlike faith is going to require a change, a shift. And we need to say, God, change me. However you want to change, change me. Maybe you're here today and maybe the change means that you give your life to Jesus for the very first time. Listen, I don't know what got you here today, but man, what I do know is that you are loved by God. Just as you are. Just as you are right now in the middle of that or maybe from the outside in, you look like everything is great and you got it all together, but on the inside you just feel like something's missing. It doesn't matter where you're at. You are loved by God today. So much that Jesus left heaven, came and gave his life for you so that he can make you brand new. I'm telling you today, you can be changed. You won't leave perfect, but you can leave changed. And the way that happens is to say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I am promising you, no one has ever called out to Jesus and Jesus answers back, no. When we go to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, for mercy, for grace, you know what we get? We get forgiveness and mercy and grace. That's what we get every single time. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Or maybe you are a follower of Jesus and God is speaking into your life. Something is rising up inside of you and there is something inside of you that says, you need to change because God has more for you. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, right now, we just, we just launch into this series, and, and Father, what we're praying for is not just a couple of sermons, not just a, some ideas that we're going to kick around as a church. We are praying that Jesus, over the course of the next four or five weeks, that you would do something in our church that we would never get over that you would speak something to our church that we would never forget and that we would be changed. I mean, childlike faith is how we enter the kingdom. Without childlike faith, believing that you can forgive us and change us and make us new, we can't even enter the kingdom. That's what you said. And Jesus, you never wanted us to leave that, to believe that you can forgive us and save us and then just to carry that on and believe you for all things. We want that. And whatever you need to do to change us, to get us to that spot, Jesus, do it. Jesus, do it. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, as we just launch into this series, if you're here today and you just say, Mark, there's something in my life that's got to change. There's something in my life that God wants to change. I don't know what it is, and I don't need to know the specifics. That's between you and God. But I would ask you right now, if that's you, say, Mark, there's something in my life. Mark, it needs to change. Would you pray for me right now? I want you to raise your hand high right now. Just raise your hand high. Hands are going up all over this room. Don't be afraid. Don't even kind of halfway raise them. Raise them up all the way. Extend that elbow. Put your hand up high. Something's got to change. Hands are going up all over this room. Something's got to change. My attitude's got to change. The way I think has got to change. My heart has got to change. My habits, my attitude, something's got to give. Something has got to change 
for me to believe God the way that God wants to be believed, something's got to change. Raise your hand. All over this room. All over this room. God, change us. You're the only one that can. We have tried so many different ways. And Jesus, what we need is you. What we need is you. Jesus, you change us in the deepest areas of our lives. Do whatever you want. Change us, God. Change us. And that we would have childlike faith to believe you for all things. But you may need to be here. Maybe today you need to ask Jesus to change you for the first time. You need to get saved today. He wants to do it. Today, right now, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, right there where you said, I just invite you to pray this prayer with me. Just pray this prayer right there. This is between you and the Lord. And just pray, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. I give my life to you right now. Thank you for loving me and for dying for me. Thank you for making me new today. Help me to live for you starting right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open. If you just prayed that prayer, it is the biggest and best decision that you could have ever made in your life to surrender and say yes to Jesus and have him be your Savior and your Lord. If you made that decision today, would you just put your hand up in the air right now so that I can pray for you? Just No matter where you're at, there's a hand right over there. Anyone else? Say, today I give my life to Jesus. I need Jesus in my life. I want to be saved today. Go ahead and raise your hand high if that's you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Jesus, I thank you. You have the power to save. And you have the power to do all things. And would you take us on the journey to believe that, to embrace that, and to live that. And whatever that journey looks like, whatever the risks we need to take, however uncomfortable it makes us, God, that we would be willing to because as we go deeper in that journey, it only means we are going deeper into who you are. And Jesus, we want more of you. We don't want to miss anything that you have for us. We want it all. And that's our prayer today. Thank you that you are willing to answer that prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we praise God that Jesus changes lives, that Jesus is in the changing business? Man, that's awesome. Now, let me tell you something really quick. Let me tell you something. If you just raise your hand to give your life to Jesus, please take your connection card, check that box on the back, let us know. If you didn't get one, visit the welcome table. We've got a free Bible. We've got some other stuff that we want to give you. But guys, next week, I want to invite you to come back. We're going to do something very special uh, next week. I really want you to be a part of it as we answer that question, what are you believing God for? What are you believing God for? All right. Hey, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Love you guys. You are dismissed. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Love y'all.